With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Maynard. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. What up, MD Nation? Good morning on this Tuesday morning. I am Dan Mater, your host of the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at BillyUpMDFF Show. And of course, subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel as soon as you get the chance to do so. You can check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to go. And, of course, check us out later on tonight. We'll be back on air, 7 to 8, on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. It's Tuesday, which means it is time for the prime time matchup recaps and then the waiver wire report for you guys at the end of the show today. Let's not waste any time. Let's dive right into the Indianapolis Colts and the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday night. You listen to the show any length of time, you know I've mentioned was once or twice, if that, definitely that, that I'm a 49ers fan. And uh, yeah, as you can imagine, not happy, not happy as a fan of this game. You're at home, you continue to suck at home, off a of bye week against a, a sub 500 Indianapolis Colts team. 
your favorite to win, by the way. And Shanahan came out for a great game plan for exactly one drive. One drive they had a game plan for. No adjustments made at halftime. Nothing else. Nothing scripted after that. Or at least if it was, it wasn't working. It just As a 49ers fan, it was absolutely pathetic. I don't like to dwell on that too much on this show. I just like to get it off my chest when I have the chance because, well, it's my show, so I can get it off my chest when I like to. The main thing for you guys, of course, is you know the fantasy knowledge of this game. So we'll start on San Francisco's side of the ball. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo was not good, to say the least. 16 and 27, 181 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. I will say it kind of makes it difficult when you refuse to scheme all of your weapons to be involved and you base your entire offense off of one receiver. Just one. No George Kittle, of course, in this game. He's still trying to work his way back from the IR. But coming off the bye week, there was a, I talked about this actually in the preview show. There was a lot of talk, a lot of heat being thrown at Shanahan, at John Lynch over the bye week for not utilizing Brian Ayuk, especially after Lynch made the comment of, well, Ayuk's just not giving us, you know, what we expect. In which case, we all point to last year and say, what more do you need to get this guy involved again this year? Why is only Debo Samuel allowed to operate with the football in his hands? Doesn't make any sense. That continued this game. Came out of the bye week and still, I mean, they raved about Brian Ayuk having his best week of practice, and yet still, one target, one reception, six yards. Oh, and I'm sorry, one carry for three yards. Two touches. The game, there's no George Kittle. Coming off of a bye at home, the offense has been inept all season, by the way. You put up 18 points against the Colts. You've been doing nothing but getting Debo Samuel the ball. It's not helping you score points as a team. And Brandon Ayuk still not involved. Some shade needs to be thrown in Shanahan's way. I've said this once, and I'll continue to say it. Great offensive play caller. Should go be an offensive coordinator somewhere else. He's not a head coach. He's not a motivator. He's not a leader. And he sucks at player personnel evaluations. Trade up for Ayuk to not use him in the first round. Trade up for Trey Sermon to not use him in the third round. The amount of draft picks they've missed on is insane. Debo Samuel and George Kittle are probably their only two hits. I guess technically you have to say Nick Bosa, but Nick Bosa is about as much of a can't-miss defensive end prod prospect as you could possibly get with that second pick of the draft. So I don't always count Nick Bosa. But even if you did, everything else is a miss. Your backfield is being led by Elijah Mitchell, which, by the way, this is his backfield. 18 carries, 107 yards, a touchdown. Did really well, and this is without Trent Williams in the lineup on the offensive line. Looked great. Was gashing the Colts pretty much all game long. Why he only got 18 carries, I don't know, with the way he was playing. And then the other running back was Jamichael Hasty. I mean, Trey Sermon didn't even get a snap in this game. Three receptions, 15 yards. Hasty still operated as the third down pass catching back, which is what we expected when he got activated off the IR. Elijah Mitchell has that skill set, but what's clear is that they don't really trust him in pass protection, which that part I don't blame them. He wasn't a good pass protector coming out of college. He still has a long way to go in that right. So I don't know how much upside he ever's going. he's ever going to have as a pass catcher. He might not have any. He wasn't targeted at all in this game. 
So that'll be the Jamichael Hasty role. It took back over for Kyle Juszczyk and went back to strictly being a fullback. Here's what I will say for the 49ers moving forward. We, we all know the comments by now about Kyle Shanahan saying, I guess so, when asked the question, will Jimmy Garoppolo be the starting quarterback heading into next week? And then we've gotten confirmation since then that he's come out and said, yes, Jimmy Garoppolo will be the quarterback next week, even though Trey Lance is expected to be able to come back to practice on Wednesday. And that could be a couple of things. I mean, part of it could be that Trey Lance was not very good against the Arizona Cardinals before they went into the bye as a passing quarterback for sure. So Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely head and shoulders a better passer as of right now over Trey Lance. So it could be partly do that. It could also be partly do that even if Trey Lance practices, he's still not close to being 100% with his knee. Why risk the franchise future? I say lack thereof, but you spent for three first-round picks on him. As of right now, he is, in theory, the franchise future. So why risk it? So yeah, Jimmy's going to start this week against the Chicago Bears. Now, if the 49ers lose to the Bears... I think there's a real chance Trey Lance could wind up being the starter come week nine. They shouldn't lose to the Bears. We'll see exactly what happens. We'll save more of that talk for the waiver wire report because I don't have something interesting to say about Trey Lance moving forward when we look at that aspect of the show later on. But here's what I will say now because we're talking about Debo Samuel, we'll talk about Elijah Mitchell. Only two fantasy relevant players until George Kittle comes back. When George Kittle comes back, he goes back to being a top five tight end ish in that range. But you, if you have Mitchell, if you have Debo Samuel, for that matter, if you have George Kittle, you want Jimmy Garoppolo to be the starting quarterback as long as he possibly can. Because again, with Trey Lance, he's just not a good passer. And we saw against Arizona, they're going to build the entire offense around Trey Lance using his legs. So that's going to take away from Elijah Mitchell in the running backfield. And that takes away from the upside of any pass catcher, George Kittle or Debo Samuel, because they're just not going to have as good of a quarterback throwing them the football. I know Debo Samuel had that one big game fantasy-wise when Trey Lance came in for Garoppolo, the game he got hurt. Keep in mind, keep remembering yourself, he had that big 76-yarder where he got left wide open on blown coverage. That's what that was all about. So you're left with this scenario. If you think... Trey Lance inevitably is going to take over as a starting quarterback some point this season. And honestly, I'm more in that boat now. I wasn't before because I thought the 49ers would still be a playoff contending team. They are not trending in that direction. You can't be a playoff team and never win at home. So the 49ers getting more and more outside of that realm of making the playoffs, if that winds up getting the case and they get to the certain points, Kyle Shanahan, while I don't think he's in danger of losing his job this season, will start to feel his seat start to heat up a little bit because this is, this is supposed to be a playoff team. So one of the ways he can buy himself some more time, at least into next year, and get some people distracted and at least off his case a little bit would be to start Trey Lance at some point, especially if the playoffs are no longer going to be in reach at a certain point in the season, which we went only a few weeks away from. So I am more in the camp of I think it is inevitable that Trey Lance takes over at the starting quarterback position at some point this season due to the 49ers falling out of the playoff contention race. So again, we'll go back and talk about Trey Lance, for, but all that has to say is that when Lance takes over, the value of Mitchell, the value of Debo Samuel, and the value of George Kittle 
all go down. Now, you're holding on to George Kittle no matter what because it's still hard to find a better tight end. But in Debo Samuel, right now, he's a wide receiver one. He's a top five receiver right now. So you could fetch a really pretty penny for Debo Samuel. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think Debo might be a sell high right now. I really, really do. Now, if you tell me rest of the season, Jimmy Garoppolo is a starting quarterback, I tell you just stick with Debo Samuel then because unless you're getting Devontae Adams or Cooper Cup or maybe Tyreek Hill, I don't know what you're getting that's going to be more valuable than a Debo Samuel as of this moment. But being that I'm on the side of, I think it's inevitable that Trey Lance does take over at some point this year for the rest of the year. Not exactly sure when it's going to be, but my feeling is as of right now, it might be sooner rather than later. Debo's ceiling is going to fall where he will be more of a wide receiver too and not have much wide receiver one upside as a result. Not to mention, we still are running the risk that history-wise, Debo Samuels never played a full NFL season. So we're still running the risk that at some point he might injure himself just based on history. He's been fine up until this point. He's been completely healthy. I'm not saying based on this season, I'm worried about his injury, but just based on history, we haven't seen Debo Samuel get through a full season. So you have that, and then you have Trey Lance working against him. So if you can get two very high-quality players, or if you could package Debo Samuel and something for a Tyreek Hill, let's say, who you might be might actually be able to buy low on at the moment, I would I would definitely think about doing that. Same thing goes for Elijah Mitchell. Trey Lance takes over. That's really going to take away a lot of the carries for Elijah Mitchell because the whole offense is going to be built around RPO. And if it's anything like we saw against Arizona, Lance is going to want to use his legs more times than not because he's. it's clear he's determined to try to make a play. It's clear that's what's going on. So Elijah Mitchell is somebody that I would think about packaging while he is an RB2 value, which he is at the moment, for something that has a more concrete season-long value and is not tied to a quarterback change. So both guys might be sell highs for me just to kind of get out ahead of it. Maybe not necessarily this week. If you want to wait one more week against Chicago Bears, you can. But I would do it sooner rather than later because once that switch happens, I'm not going to want too many 49ers. In fact, the only guy who might be fantasy value-wise would be Lance because he'd be running all the time as a quarterback, as a streaming option. But I don't know how many I'm going to want if Lance actually takes over. So just food for thought moving forward might be something I want to try to look into and shop around and see what you can get in return. On the Colts side of the ball, I mean, Carson Wentz was fine. Two touchdowns. He rushes in for a touchdown. So he got into that streaming territory. Had him a QB 16 on the week. He gets into that range here. Didn't have to do too much. I mean, they they kind of just controlled. They hung with the San Francisco 49ers, and they kind of just took over and controlled this game. Jonathan Taylor continues his hot streak. 18 carries, 107 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. Tacked on three yards on three receptions for three targets. 3-3-3 all the way across the board receiving-wise. But this is what you like from Jonathan Taylor. You look a little bit more closely. Naeem Hines has been less and less and less involved over the past three weeks. Now, when they get to these game scripts where they'll actually have to come back from behind and throw and play against better teams, uh, I do think Naeem Hines will go back to being more involved. But what you do like to see is that Jonathan Taylor 
has been acting like a workhorse back and has been playing very, very well. And more so, the Colts have been winning during that stretch, which makes it even more sustainable over the long run. So you're very happy about Jonathan Taylor. I don't like that as an RB1, I still have this black cloud kind of hanging over my head that at any given time, Naeem Hines could get overly involved and kind of take away from what he can do. That's just part of it that comes with the territory of a Jonathan Taylor. But right now, you'll take the hot streak, and I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. And then Michael Pittman. Only four targets in this game. Remember, Carson Wentz didn't throw the ball that much, but four receptions, goes for 100 yards, had a really nice 57-yarder in this ball game, and gets a touchdown. We know what Michael Pittman is when T.Y. Hilton's not in the game. That's not really the question. We know he's number one receiver. He's got a very safe floor. He's a high-end wide receiver three. The question's going to be T.Y. Hilton because the one game he played against Houston, Michael Pittman, what was supposed to be a very nice matchup for everybody involved, wasn't that involved at all. So what happens when Hilton's playing more regularly? Is it clear cut? Is Michael Pittman still number one target? Is it more of a 1A, 1B situation? We know Carson Wentz likes to have a deep threat. That's what Hilton plans to be for him. It, it, it does beg the question if Michael Pittman is not more of a, a low-end wide receiver three when T.Y. Hilton comes back with the possibility with Carson Wentz of Hilton maybe being the lead receiver. I don't think it's I don't think it's probable, but I do think it's possible that that could happen. So something to kind of watch with Michael Pittman moving forward when Hilton works his way back in. And I'll mention this, Mo Ali Cox, three receptions, 25 yards, a touchdown. He's been very active in the red zone as of late, but still not getting the usage you'd want to see to really sustain top 12 tight end value that you would hope for out of a guy like that. There's really nothing else to go over with the Indianapolis Colts. We'll know more when T.Y. Hilton comes back. But until that point, all the fantasy value analysis really kind of stays the same on them. You just see them like to perform week in and week out. And they're pretty, pretty consistent floor because they keep it pretty consolidated between who it is they're going to utilize. And because that offensive line is playing so much better now, you can actually trust that they'll, come, they'll continue to come through for you on a week in, week out basis, pretty much regardless of the matchup. Plus, you know, playing in the AFC South never hurt anybody. So what I want to do now is take a quick break, come back on the other side. We still have the Monday night game to recap, and then we'll have the waiver wire report for you guys. So don't go anywhere and stay tuned on the MD's Fantasy Football Show because we'll be back right after this. When it comes to gambling, you always want to make sure you're getting the best bang for your buck. That's why I always bet with my bookie. At my bookie, you can bet on all your favorite sports with exclusive promotions, contests, and more ways to find your winning bet. Right now, when you make your first deposit with my bookie, you'll instantly receive double your first deposit. It's easy. All you have to do is go to mybookie.ag, sign up, and use my promo code MDFANTASY, and my bookie will double your first deposit instantly up to $1,000. How's that for fast money? Use your extra funds to bet on this week's biggest games, including the battle between the Chiefs and the Titans, where airmail offense takes on Smash Mouth football. Look for the score to run up quickly and bet the over. This promotion is only available for a limited time, so don't miss out. Head to mybookie.ag and use my promo code MDFANTASY and secure double your deposit bonus today. That's promo code MDFANTASY so you can double your funds to double your winnings to bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. 
Welcome back to the program, MD Nation. You are listening and are watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at BillyUpMDFFShow. And of course, you can subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Make sure you check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app, whether it be iTunes, iHeart, Google Play, such as Spotify, Spreaker, wherever. And of course, check us out tonight from 7 to 8 p.m. on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime. Dot pro. We just recapped the Sunday night game. Let's get into the Monday night game. I don't want to spend too much time on this because Lord have mercy, was this a boring game? Uh, 13 to 10, the Saints win. Remember yesterday I talked about how the Packers were probably the most boring six and one team, and that that is true. But the most boring four and two team is by far the New Orleans Saints. Now, look, there was a lot of bad weather in this game. You kind of knew going in it was going to be an ugly offensive game, mostly reliant on the defense, mostly reliant on the rushing attack, uh, whatever. Look, it was so bad. Uh, but the, the funny thing is this. In a 13-10 a, a matchup that was bad weather, defensive-driven and, and run game-driven, uh, Jameis Winston threw the ball more in this game than he pretty much has all season long. He actually had 35 pass attempts. This guy hasn't been going over 25. So that was... It was really weird to kind of see that. There was no Taysom Hill in this matchup. Not that that really mattered too much for Jameis Winston. Anyway, we always know he was the main pass catcher. Although I will say Winston did tack on 40 yards on the ground and reminded you that he's not a statue back there. The guy does have some athletic ability. He's not a fantasy-relevant player. And moreover, the Saints don't have any fantasy-relevant pass catchers at least not on a consistent basis anyway Marquez Callaway comes up as you know a guy that you kind of think about sometimes uh in a streaming situation when you're desperate he had seven targets in this game so the volume was kind of there we knew we, we knew it was going to kind of be there without Deontay Harris again the conditions weren't very conducive but Michael Thomas is a couple of weeks away beginning of November they're saying when that happens I don't really care about any of the Saints receivers. I don't really care about them now, quite frankly. I'll tell you who did come through, though, and it, it was the game to do it. It was Alvin Kamara. So he gets 30 total touches in this game, 20 carries, and 10 receptions on 11 targets. This is what we wanted to see coming out of the bye. This was the big question, right? Because going into the bye, Kamara finally got back involved in the passing game. But the question was going to be, okay, you go into the bye. Are you going to continue that? This is the perfect game for that to happen, and it did. 11 targets, 10 receptions, 128 receiving yards, a touchdown, tacked on 51 yards on the ground. Kamara was a beast for fantasy football purposes. Oh, an absolute beast. And until Michael Thomas does come back, he'll just continue to be the entire offense. And I do think now that we have two games back-to-back where Kamara's gotten back involved in the passing game, and even though it hasn't been a big improvement and still made their offense better, at least more efficient, moving the chains anyway to give their defense a breather. This will continue to happen. I don't think this is going back away. I don't think they're going back to Kamara being a 25 carry guy who doesn't get to see the ball in the passing game. I think Sean Payton recognizes he's got to get him involved in that capacity has to. It's one of his best attributes and you don't have any playmakers. You don't have any pass catchers right now. So that has to happen. So outside of Kamara again, saints, Nothing. Michael Thomas still a buy low candidate for me. There's still a lot of people out there that are very disappointed that he was not coming back this week. That for some reason people had counted on him. I, 
I don't know why. I know this show, I'm pretty sure other shows out there as well were reporting that the original timeline was that he wouldn't be back to the beginning of November. So I don't know why people thought he was automatically going to come off just because he was eligible to come off the pup list that he was going to come right off right away and play in the middle of October, even though that was still earlier than the original timeline. Not sure why, but if you have somebody like that in your league, you could probably get Michael Thomas for pennies on the dollar right now. So just kind of check that out. Be mindful of that, but don't give up too much because there's still a lot of risk with Thomas. We still got to see what kind of shape he's in when he gets back. How long does it take him to get back in the NFL shape? What's his health at? Is he actually fully recovered from that foot issue? Is there anything lingering? So there's a lot of risk there. So don't overpay, but definitely worth an investment given this offense. They desperately need a pass catcher they can go to who's a wide receiver down the field. That much is clear. When you go to the Saints side of the ball on things, Geno Smith was awful, completely and utterly awful. 12 of 22, 167 yards and a touchdown. Look, they're in a, they're in a similar situation to the 49ers, but maybe even worse. They're 2-5 and five now. You've lost three in a row. You still have maybe three weeks to a month before Russell Wilson comes back. You're hoping two to three, but it could be a little bit longer. They talked about that they had, you know, they talked to Cam Newton at some point. Look, I, if I'm Seattle, I have to look at myself in the mirror. You've had a couple home games now. I don't know if I can win a game with Geno Smith. I don't, especially now. Look, if they have games where they're heavily favored, playing against inferior competition, maybe. But in games in which the competition is stiff or similar to what you have on the field, I don't know if you can really go into a matchup trusting Geno Smith to get you a win right now. And I don't think you can afford to wait until Russell Wilson comes back to get another win because otherwise you're going to be out of it and the playoffs are going to be over for you. So I'd be very curious to see if the Seahawks don't make a push to bring in maybe a Cam Newton, a quarterback of some sort. I don't know if it can happen. The passage, oh God, it was brutal. Like, like I said, the conditions were not very conducive. I, I do want to stress that. They were dealing with the, you know, the bomb cyclone and the atmospheric river and all that stuff that was craziness going on in this game. So we knew this was going to be ugly, but Two receptions each for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. That's it. Three targets for Lockett, five for DK Metcalf. If you're DK Metcalf owner, you're thanking your lucky stars that he got that 84-yard touchdown at the very beginning of the game. Because that's, I mean, he tacked on one more reception for 12 yards. But other than that, that was all you got fantasy-wise. So you wound up having a decent fantasy day out of DK Metcalf by almost pure luck or just the the talent the talent of DK Metcalf is really what got you that day. It wasn't Gino and it was it was just it was just nuts. But then Lockett's side is his two receptions go for 12 yards. And now he's had what five bad games in a row because he's only been good the first two weeks of the season. Lockett has to be a bench. You can't drop him. You can't drop him because his his upside does rise back up again when Russell Wilson comes back. You can't drop him. But you're not going to be able to trade him for anything right now. He has no value until Russell Wilson comes back. You can't start him. They play Jacksonville next week. And I still don't think if you have options, you're going to want to start Tyler Lockett. I I don't think you do. And that's just the sad reality of it with Geno Smith back there as a starting quarterback. Maybe next week they make a, a focal point to try to get him involved maybe volume-wise. It's still not going to be great efficiency-wise. You're still talking about Geno Smith, but that's the best you can hope for. Now, the other question was the running game. You know, what was the split going to be? Rashad Penny's coming back. I, I did think all along that, like, if Alex Collins was going to play, that he would still be the lead guy because Rashad Penny's just getting back. I was going to be shocked 
if he's going to waltz in there and be the starter and take the majority of the workloads, he's trying to get back in the NFL shape or whatever version that is for Rashad Penny because he's never, in my mind, actually been in NFL shape in his entire career. Six carries, nine yards, obviously pitiful, but more involved, I guess, than Travis Homer or DJ Dallas, which we expected. Alex Collins, while only 35 yards, and it's a tough matchup here, but still, that's kind of pathetic, but he did have 16 carries. So he dominated the way and touches. Does that continue going into next week? I still think the question has to be asked, but until further notice, as long as he's healthy, we have to expect Alex Collins to be the lead back of Seattle while Chris Carson is out and will be ranked as such. Uh, my thing would be until Carson comes back, as long as Collins is healthy, he is a low in RB2, high in RB3, because he is a guy who's in position to get 15 plus touches. So that's kind of what we're looking at there. Other than that, there's nothing else to break down fantasy-wise for either one of these teams. So what I want to do is I want to take another break, get another word from our sponsor. When we come back on the other side, we'll have the waiver wire recap or waiver wire report. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And then we'll wrap up the show. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. It's football season, baby, and you know what that means? It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time for you to join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. It's three and out the window with all the other hair trimmers. Now go tame that wildcat offense. As the world is starting to open, the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to help you get ready. Inside, you'll find their brand new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, plus two free gifts, Performance Boxer Briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your package and a key for great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back into the program, MD Nation. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on social media at Show, And of course, available to you on YouTube. Subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show channel. Check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. And tonight from 7 to 8 on the Unhinged 
Radio Network. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We just got done recapping the primetime matchups, and now it is time to look ahead to Week 8, the midpoint of the season. The playoff race is on with this waiver wire report. And it actually wound up being a thicker one than I was anticipating. And with some interesting storylines, I would say, frankly, to, to say the least. So the first, again, when we do this, just in case you're new, we take the average player owned from all the major platforms, or mainly, I should say, ESPN, Yahoo, and NFL. I know there's some other big ones out there, but those those are the three that I take from. Average out the ownership, and then whoever is on average, less than 50% owned and worthy of a, of a pickup, obviously. I put them on the waiver wire report, and I try to break this down by position. So starting off with the quarterbacks, this one I wanted to talk about mostly due to the storyline. I talked about this a little bit in yesterday's show, but Deshaun Watson, 16% owned. He is a speculative pickup this week. Now, you can only make this pickup if you have the roster flexibility to do so. But if you're going to pick up and stash Deshaun Watson for some possible upside, this is the week to do it. Because again, the trade deadline is November 2nd. So if Watson doesn't get traded this week, it's not going to happen. But if he does get traded, let's say he gets traded to the Dolphins or he gets traded to the Eagles, although he kind of already rejected the Eagles deal. So I don't really see that being in the works. But let's say he gets traded to the Dolphins. Well, he would have some upside there. Again, Will Fuller's going to be back at some point this season. So will Devontae Parker. They have Gasicki. They have Waddle. They have some nice weapons in place. And while I don't think it would be a short-term thing where I think you're plugging and playing Deshaun Watson come week nine right off the bat, I do think he could offer some value fantasy-wise during that playoff stretch especially. Remember, he's still Watson. He's still great. He's still going to use his legs. He's still a great passer, and he'll have weapons to do it, especially if it wound up being Miami. So if you're somebody who's been streaming quarterbacks all year and you want to have the possibility of maybe having one locked down for your playoff race, Watson is a speculative ad. Keep in mind, I, I mentioned this yesterday, but keep in mind, if he does get traded, I am not concerned at all about him facing any kind of suspension or being you know, involved in the player uh, commissioner exempt list because the NFL is waiting for the justice system to take process. This case is not going to continue until February. So you have nothing to worry about when it comes to that. Uh, I'm not concerned at all. So Deshaun Watson, 60% owned a, a, a speculative ad at best again. Next up, I got two attack of Now, this is somebody who I'd be going after if you're looking to stream quarterbacks and long-term-wise, too. Look, the only thing that could derail Tua would be if Deshaun Watson actually got traded to Miami Dolphins. Again, I lean on the side of that's less than 50% chance of actually happening. That's the only thing that could derail it, though. He's got some nice matchups coming up. Nobody throws the ball more than the Miami Dolphins on a, on a, a pass-to-run ratio. They have no running game whatsoever. Their weapons will get healthier and better. Just the volume alone has been giving Tua Tagovailoa a very high floor week in and week out. So he's a big time streamer for me this week. Forty three percent owned. Now here's the thing: I am not going to waste any resources on a quarterback, especially this week, because there's multiple quarterbacks who are worthy in the streaming options. So there's no reason to spend fab or a priority on any quarterback because I guarantee you'll be able to get a solid streaming option this week for free after waivers clear. Because next up, we got Kirk Cousins at 40% owned. So they're going against the Dallas Cowboys this week. I know the Cowboys have been decent defensively, but 
They've been good when you have a team that only has one good wide receiver. Well, the Vikings can hurt you in multiple ways. Coming off the bye week, they've been able to game plan. Kirk Cousins is a streaming option at 40% owned. So is Trevor Lawrence against Seattle. Especially the Geno Smith is playing lately in the Seattle Seahawks defense. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence, who's been using his legs a little bit more as of late, 35% owned. He would also be a streaming option for me. So would Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is a great match because the Tennessee Titans coming up. He's been actually a lot better as of late, especially from a fantasy perspective, too. And he might have T.Y. Hilton back, so he might have the deep ball as an option for him heading into that matchup. He's only 24% owned. So again, those are all quarterbacks from Tua, Cousins, Lawrence, Wentz that I'm good with picking up and, and looking to play this week, and I guarantee you can get one of those guys for free. Now, like Watson, I got one more to talk about, and that's Trey Lance. He's 13% owned on average. And the reason why I bring up Trey Lance because it does just it just seems inevitable that he will take over the starting job at some point. Uh, exactly when that's going to be, I think, is a, a different conversation. It's hard to really know. Look, we know Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starter this week, and we also know they're playing the Chicago Bears, which gives them a decent chance to win that game. I don't know if they would bench Jimmy Garoppolo after a win, because it, look, with the 49ers and the way that you know, the 17 game season set up, they were to win, go three and four. Technically, they're not out of the playoff race yet at that point. So I don't know if they would make the change then. But if they were to lose to Chicago and Trey Lance is healthy, he'd be the starter week nine. I can almost guarantee that. And even then, it still might be just a matter of being a few weeks away. So Lance, while I don't like his passing upside, and I talked about yesterday why I think Debo, Samuel, and Elijah Mitchell are sell highs because I do think it's inevitable now that Trey Lance starts at some point this season. I will say Lance will have that floor. It's going to be like the Justin Fields situation, right? It's going to be a low-end streamer. He'll probably be in that more of that high-end QB2 territory than in the top 12 more times than not. But what we thought we might get out of Fields with his legs to give him that fantasy floor, that fantasy cheat code, we didn't wind up getting that, but we already know we will definitely get that out of Trey Lance. Why do we already know that? Because we saw what the game plan was against the Arizona Cardinals when Trey Lance came to the ball. It was all RPO, pistol action, built around Trey Lance using his legs as an extra running back back there. It was, And that, and that won't be any different moving forward if he ever does take over the starting job on a permanent basis for the rest of 2021. That, that will be the case. So Trey Lance will have that fantasy floor as a runner, and then it'll be, can, if he can give you anything through the air, you're talking about a guy who can have the potential to finish inside the top 12 any given week. So again, if you're somebody who's been streaming quarterbacks and you're looking for some upside down the road, Trey Lance, if your roster is flexible enough, can be a stash play if you are in that position. So that does it for the quarterbacks that I want to talk about in the waiver report. Let's get into the running backs. Obviously, number one pickup of the week should be Kenneth Gainwell at 26% owned. Next to him is Boston Scott, but a little bit less so. Gainwell, again, he is going to he's going to maintain his receiving, his lead receiving role, which the Eagles might even do more so now they don't have Miles Sanders because they don't really have a true, true runner. They are, just a little note though, they are expected to bring Jordan Howard off the practice squad. Now, I don't expect Jordan Howard to be involved in a significant way, but I wouldn't be surprised if they made him the red zone back. So they got with inside the five, instead of seeing a Gainwell or Boston Scott out there, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they tried out Jordan Howard. Just a little FYI, not overly concerned about it though, but it's possible. 
I expect Gainwell to maintain his receiving role. Even this past week when Miles Sanders went down and Boston Scott did get involved, it was still Kenneth Gainwell leading the way as far as being the receiving back. He's been he's more explosive than Boston Scott. He's been good already in that role. I see no reason why it gets taken away from him, even though Boston Scott has a similar type of skill set. And he will get more carries than what he got when Miles Sanders was starting. Will he be the lead carrier? I, I don't think so. I mean, given that Boston Scott outcarried him 7-5 to five this past week, if he was ever going to be the lead ball carrier, it would have been this past week. Because it's not like Boston Scott was a part of the game plan because weren't, they weren't really game playing for Miles Sanders to get injured, right? So the fact that he came in and outcarried him, I do think says a lot as far as what to expect out of Gainwell in the running game. I think he'll still be second fiddle, but he'll still get a few more carries than what he did with Miles Sanders, which for me, makes him a locked-in RB3, a very valuable flex play. Now you add in the fact they're playing Detroit on top of it to amplify his status and to give him a little bit more upside, maybe as an RB2 upside. Before we start going crazy on on giving up resources for Gainwell, though, here's the one thing I will say. It's a low ankle sprain. So this week, I don't expect Miles Sanders to play. Next week, week nine, I would say he's probably about 50-50. And then I would say by week 10, Miles Sanders will definitely be back. So the question you have to ask yourself is, do you believe you're going to get two weeks or one week out of Kenneth Gainwell if you're not the Miles Sanders owner? I think that's what you're asking yourself right now as far as what kind of resources you want to use. What are your options available to you this week? How badly do you need to win? All these things kind of get factored in. All things being equal, because that's the only way I can really do my analysis off of. Everything else is kind of just on an individual case-by-case basis. And that, and that's why, by the way, our DMs on social media are always open at BellyUpMDFF Show on social media. Because I will help you guys out on a case-by-case basis when you try to hit me up, 100%. But just in a general analysis, my thing would be, if I'm the Miles Sanders owner or if I'm somebody who's dying for a running back and I need a win... I wouldn't be afraid to spend 20% on Kenneth Gainwell. While he might only have like a start, a quote unquote starter role for a week or two max for now, he's still been very involved regardless up until this point. Now, I know they were starting to get Miles Sanders the respect he kind of deserved, which they were starting to actually treat him like a starter the past couple of weeks, which meant Kenneth Gainwell was not getting as involved as he was in the first quarter of the season. However, now the picked up of the injury. We'll see how Gainwell does. If he has a really great game, impressive showing against Detroit, I wouldn't be surprised if this was just a committee the rest of the way, even when Sanders comes back. I mean, they're already kind of were trending in that direction at one point this year already. So it wouldn't really shock me if that wound up happening. Just kind of keep that in mind. But I would spend up to 20% on Kenneth Gainwell. And depending upon my situation or how badly I need a running back, I would think about using a top priority on him. I wouldn't definitively use it, though. I still only like to use those number one priorities on guys that I know I'm going to get either you know several weeks out of or the rest of the season if I can at all help it unless I'm stuck in a pinch, which is why I say it's possible to use a top priority in a Kenneth Gainwell because there's a possibility that you're stuck in a pinch and there's not going to really be many better options available than a Gainwell, especially on the waiver wire against Detroit this week. So I can understand it from that perspective to kind of keep that in mind. Again, he is, on average, 26% owned. Next up is Alexander Madison. He dipped below 50% owned. He is now at 43% owned on average, which is not entirely surprising, right? We had the bye week. You know, It was a crazy bye week where six teams were on bye. 
He's a handcuff to a running back who is back and healthy now. So you take the risk that you drop him in hopes that maybe you could pick him back up as you know, they come back to activity this week in, in week eight. Make sure you go get him. And especially if you're the Dalvin Cook owner, and look, I get it. You had to drop. There was a couple of weeks where I had to do the same thing, where I had to drop Alexander Madison. I, just, I had to pick up somebody to have an active lineup. I get it. Make sure you make the point to get him back this week, though. Right, Dalvin Cook's been a little bit nicked up already in this season. They've already proven that as soon as he's healthy, they're going right back to the well and giving him a heavy, heavy workload. Make sure you are protecting yourself, especially given this year and the way the handcuffs have performed. And Alexander Madison in particular, who's performed as an RB1 when he's had all the volume. Make sure if you're Dalvin Cook owner, you get Alexander Madison on your team. It is a must. It is a must from the standpoint that I'm going to spend 15% fab on a guy that maybe nobody else is going after just to make sure that I'm getting this guy just to make sure if I'm on the back, I wouldn't use a number one priority on him. Even if I had Devin cook, but if I'm in the back half of my league and priority, I'll use it. Especially if I have Devin cook, I'll use it on Alexander Madison. Now, if I don't have cook, I'm only adding Madison as a, he's a speculative ad. So it only, again, you gotta have roster flexibility. And in that case, I'm probably only going to pick him up if he happens to clear waivers the next day. Otherwise, I don't think I'm going to bother. I'm going to bother too much on Alexander Madison because it is still a speculative ab. It is still, in theory, he might be good when and if Dalvin Cook gets injured again. Devonta Freeman is 20% owned. He makes my waiver wire list because the one thing that has become clear with the Baltimore Ravens is that whoever the lead back is has touchdown potential. I mean, Latavius Murray scored in almost every single game. Freeman scored this past week. If Latavius Murray can't go, we know that Freeman, at least from a snap count standpoint, will be the lead back. Le'Veon Bell actually outcarried him by one last week. I don't know why, but he did. But that that running back is the one who has potential for a touchdown. So because of that, I will take that into consideration. He makes my 20% list. He could be the guy you throw in your flex and you're just hoping for a touchdown out of and you have a decent chance to get it. So Devonta Freeman is somebody that I would consider if Latavius Murray continues to miss time. So now we move into the wide receiver group and what I'm looking at. And uh, Michael Gallup, now he's 49% owned. So we're talking about a guy who's a little bit more on the 50-50 if he's available in your leagues. But if he is, give him a look. No, does he have the same value he did at the beginning of the year when you drafted him? No, he doesn't. Because this Dallas Cowboy offense is proving they're not in a position where they have to throw the ball the way we initially expected they were going to. But do I still think he is a legitimate low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four with upside because of his talents and his position and situation? Yeah, I do. Yes, CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper will operate ahead of him more times than not. But Michael Gallup will be the guy who will get, you know, the extra coverage. Might get forgotten about. Won't get game planned for. And he still has Dak Prescott throwing to him with one-on-one coverage more times than not. Michael Gallup is still a guy I would consider in that position. I wouldn't want to play him right away. Now, I don't even know if he'll definitely play this week. He got activated. Doesn't necessarily mean he's going to definitely play this week. He's going to practice and try to get back in the game shape. But Michael Gallup is somebody who I would consider picking up, especially if I'm in need for wide receivers, because there is some upside there with him. Next up is Kadarius Tony at 43% owned. With Sterling Shepard re-aggravating the hamstring injury, Tony gets back into a situation where, where one, we don't know if Galladay comes back and without Shepard, it could just be Tony and Slayton out there. But two, 
if Shepard is once again going to have to miss extended time because of his hamstring issue, and we don't know yet for sure, but we'll probably have a better idea as we move forward through the practice week, then guess what? Kadarius Tony's going to play the slot. And what have I said about Daniel Jones in the past? Whoever the slot receiver is, is Daniel Jones's number one receiver. That could wind up being Kadarius Tony with Sterling Shepard having to miss time. So 43% owned. If I need a receiver, I think there's a decent chance he comes back this week too, by the way. I'm thinking around 10 to 15, somewhere in between there, maybe 12%. I would go after him, a low-end priority, all within the cards there. Christian Kirk, 31% owned. He's going he's gonna to continue to make my waiver report. He's used enough in an up-tempo offense that he is a spot start for you in a good matchup. Is a little bit touchdown dependent? Yeah. Is there a low floor because there's a lot of mouths to feed? Yeah, but more times than not this season, Christian Kirk has actually been a decent fantasy outlet for you guys. And then T.Y. Hilton's very interesting at 30%. There's some upside here. A lot of people have kind of just written off T.Y. Hilton because they're like, oh, he's old, he's done, he's washed up. Look, even if he's lost half a step, who cares? He's playing in a division that's very conducive for wide receivers. He's in an offense where the quarterback we know is desperate to have a down-the-field target that he can go to. And in the one game he came back, yes, it was against Houston, so it, you know it's always gets a little bit skewed with Hilton because he's he always plays so well against Houston. But he was he was the lead targeted guy in that game. Granted, it was four targets, but he was still the lead targeted guy in that game and was good down the field. Looked like he still did have some spark left in his game. And Wentz was looking for him right away, which is the more important factor, I think, of this whole thing. Because you don't know what the new quarterback rapport is going to be with the wide receiver. So it looked like he was looking for him right away. At 30% owned, not only is he a guy who could be a spot start for you against the Tennessee Titans this week, which is another great matchup, but there is some upside that he could be in a 1A, 1B situation, have consistent target share week in and week out, and maybe be a high-end wide receiver four with a possible flex play for you. So something kind of just to keep in mind with T.O.A. Hilton may have down the road value, not just this week. Darius Slayton's another one, 13% owned. I would only want to play Slayton if Kadarius, Tony, Kenny Galladay, and Sterling Shepard were all out because then you know you have the floor of the target share. Even if it's just him and Kadarius, Tony, he does still have the big play game potential too. Uh, but he's going to be a... A wide receiver four, wide receiver five with boomer bust potential heading into next week with a little bit of a higher floor than he normally would because of the added volume due to all the injuries. So somebody I have in my radar if a lot of these giant players still aren't able to come back this week. Uh, then we got Van Jefferson. I talked about him a little bit last week. He's starting to trend in direction where he's starting to play as much as Cooper Cup and Rob Woods. Now, I'm not saying that he is going to be on the same level usage and, and pro- productivity-wise as those two, but in that offense, if you got a guy who's getting, you know, a lot of the snaps and getting the majority of the routes run, I'm going to show you a guy who's going to have at least a decent value, at least flex appeal value in half point, full point PPR leagues. That's the way uh, Van Jefferson has been trending as of late. So something definitely to look at there as he's only 7% owned and then Khalif Raymond, 6% owned. Look, right now, I think I have to call Khalif Raymond the number one wide receiver of the Detroit Lions. So again, another guy that you can kind of spot start and rotate in. I don't know when Tyrell Williams is going to be back as of now. We haven't heard much. We'll keep you up to date once we learn more. But until that happens, Khalif Raymond, he has big play capability because of his speed. And he's been the number one reliable target so far for Jared Goff through the first you know two weeks here. Now that we haven't had Quintez Cephas there. 
who was number one before that. So whoever that X receiver is just seems to be the number one target right now coming out of Detroit and does have some value. And then the guy I really want to have this week in particular is Alan Lazard. No Devontae Adams. He doesn't have any value really past this week, none that I would trust. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to return. It does name from IR. They've already said he's going to probably play on Thursday. However, you still have to deal with the fact that he's got to get back into game shape. I'd have a hard time imagining he would come in and already be at a full snap count right off the bat. I do think Alan Lazard is going to be the number one pass catcher on Aaron Rodgers' team in a game in which could go back and forth and could be high scoring by default, frankly, against the Arizona Cardinals. So the Packers who play a slow tempo are going to be forced to play a little bit more up-tempo because the Cardinals are so fast-paced. And that's all going to come to fruition here where I think Alan Lazard is going to be I think it's going to be a legitimate solid wide receiver three this week. So if you're looking for a spot start, you need a guy, you want to spend 5 to 10% on your fab budget and go get him, go for it. I don't think you got to spend more of that because there's a lot of receiving options, but he will be a popular pickup. So I do think you're going to have to pay something in order to try to get Lazard uh, this week. And then we move to tight ends. I only have a few this uh, this week. Mo Ali Cox at 13%. Again, I'm not excited. I, we talked about this earlier in today's show. I'm not excited by his overall usage as far as sustaining consistency. But over the past month now, he has been active in the end zone. And sometimes, frankly, that's all you're looking for. Foster Moreau makes my list. He's only 6% owned on average. Obviously, this is hindered to, you know, does Darren Waller miss more time after this past Sunday? Remains to be seen. He was a true game time decision. So as long as he didn't suffer a setback in pregame, and that was the reason he couldn't go, I do think Waller will be back sooner rather than later. But Foster Moreau, a guy to kind of keep your eye on if it sounds like Waller maybe has to miss one more week or not. And then last but not least, Dan Arnold. Still a streaming option to me. He's still utilized by Jacksonville. Had a lot of routes run. Gets targeted by Trevor Lawrence. They have the opening for a third consistent pass catcher. Now with DJ Chark out for the year. I do think Darnold is a sneaky, deep league sleeper, tight end stash play who you might be able to play you know, on a week-in, week-out basis because he does have some consistent volume that's been heading his way. Uh, so it's the kind of things you start to look for there. I wouldn't spend anything again, but... Stan, uh, Dan Arnold, a possible potential tight end play for you guys if his if his if his volume can trend in the direction that has been trending before the bye week. We'll see exactly what's able to happen there. That's going to do it for the show, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. We're going to be back tomorrow at 9 p.m. on Wednesday like we normally are, and we'll be previewing the Thursday night game along with all the early week eight matchups on Sunday. I do have a special notice though. Usually we would do a Thursday night game cast along with the late window preview games, you know, late Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday night preview. We're actually going to do that on Friday morning. So it won't be a game cast. We'll actually do a full Thursday night recap, uh, which I, I do enjoy doing it better, but not always able to do so this week. I am going to be able to do that. So that'll be on 11 a.m. at our old time. We used to be 11 a.m. to 12 30 p.m. Uh, I'm going to do that this week, this Friday. Thursday night recap, late Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, and Monday night preview matchups on Friday from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. We'll still be on the Unhinged radio network that day from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at unhingedsn.airtime.pro, and we will still that night at 9 p.m. be on live on social media at Show and on YouTube with the MD's DFS contest and lock bets of the week. So I'm just going to be on more and more and multiple times a day for you guys. 
I don't care. I absolutely love it being there for you. So make sure you check us out and keep that in mind later on in the week. But for now, make sure to check us out tonight from 7 to 8 p.m. on the Unhinged Radio Network and on your favorite pod streaming apps. MD Nation, take care. We'll see you guys again. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.